Well, let's look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. This tonight, this is a, a one-off, I, I think. You know, we're just get, I just had some things in my heart to, to cover, to touch on tonight. If I say one-off, I mean, we're not, I don't, this is not a series. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Second part of that verse says, He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the NLT, it says, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. What does never mean? It means never. That means not one time. He didn't say, I will try not to fail you. He didn't say, I will... Hopefully not fail you. He said, I will never fail you. That's pretty black and white. I will never abandon you. Never. Everybody say never. See, we, some people say never say never. We, we, we have a problem with absolutes like that as far as in our understanding. We can grasp it intellectually. I mean, it's kind of like forever. You can nod your head at that, but you don't get it. I don't get it. Like God has always been. What does that even mean? People go, your brain just says, okay, but it doesn't compute it. It doesn't have the capacity. In everything we know, it's got a start, it's got an end. To say God has always been, you, you know, you're, you're thinking right now, if you really think about it, there's, there's wheels turning going, Always been. We, people scoff at that. They go, how can it always? I mean, there had to be some. Who created God? The Bible said he's always been. You can sit there and think about the rest of the night. You're not going to get it. And tomorrow and the next. You can't, you can't grasp that with your mind. Our minds are just not built to deal with that. It can, like I said, you can nod your head and go, oh, yeah, I've heard. Oh, yeah, God's been. But. What does that even mean to us? We have no concept of infinity. Again, you know, I took a lot of math. I know there's certain things, you know, it just, it's just, it gets, uh, you know, in certain types of math, you got to get to where it just breaks down infinitely small or stuff goes infinitely. But you just like, yeah, okay, I'm doing the math problem. But really to think going in both directions never ever stopping, like the universe, just going forever. We don't get that. So when we read here, I will never fail you. Well, what do you know on this earth that fits that description? There's stuff that's dependable, you know, come from a computer background. They say, you know, you got 99.999% uptime. That's not never. That means it could fail a little bit, not long. Maybe the time you really need it. And that's what we call, and that's really good. 
On this earth, that's really, really good if something fails you that little. But it says here, God, God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Abandon you. Look at this in the um, Amplified Classic. That's right. She's getting it. It says, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And that's, you know, doing the, an attempt to really emphasize is not going to happen. It's amplified, you know, it's no, no, not, not, no, no, not. Ne, you know, not going to happen. Let's read it one more time. For he himself, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you. So not here, not there, not up, not down, not going to fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. This is emphatic, saying, I'm not going to fail you, I'm not going to leave you, not going to forsake you. The part I want to emphasize is where it says, I will, you know, in the, the New King James says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here it's saying, you know, adding a lot of nuances to it, but it's saying, I'm not going to fail you, I'm not going to leave you, I'm going to be with you. Now, this is referring back to, this is numerous times in the Old Testament. We're going to read a number of Old Testament scriptures and some Psalms. Look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 5. This, 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 these exact words are several times, just over and over. And this, I'm not going to read all of them, but just a few times where you see where this is quoting right here in, in Hebrews, it's quoting this. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 5. Now, here... Uh, Moses is saying to the children of Israel, telling them about going into the promised land and telling them what's going to happen. And he's talking about their enemies. And he said, the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and have good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's what Hebrews is quoting, saying they're going into the promised land. They're going into the area that God has promised for them. And Moses is telling them by the word of the Lord, uh, God goes with you and he won't leave you. He won't forsake you. In other words, he's there all the time. You're going into this thing, but you're not going alone. God will always be with you. In Joshua 1, verse 5, now, now uh, God is speaking to Joshua. As Joshua is getting ready to lead, the, uh, lead Israel, he says, no, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. Well, this applies to us. You know, we just, Hebrews is quoting this to you. And we are children of Abraham through what Jesus did, says in Galatians 3, verse 29. So he is with us. He says, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. He's telling them, look, you're going in. You're, you're going to do what I've called you to do, but I'm going to be with you. And you're going to carry it out, but be of good courage. Why? Because I'm going to be with you. I'll go with you and I won't ever leave you. Never. Now, we just read in Hebrews how emphatic it is. Never. That means not one time. He's always with us. What, what if you don't feel like he's with you? He's still with you. Because you just go back to what he said. He said, I will never leave you. So what does that mean? Your feelings are wrong. My feelings are wrong. Feelings don't dictate what God does. You can feel completely alone. God said he'd never leave you. So what do we know? He's still there. That's you, but we have to take that by faith. Because sometimes your feelings will tell you, God's not here. He left you several miles back. You're bumping along by yourself. But he's still with you. He's still with you. Look at 1 Chronicles 28, <clears throat> verse 20. So this is David <clears throat> talking to Solomon, his son, about the temple, about building the temple. Verse 20 says, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage. Does that sound familiar? I mean, you see this over and over. Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do what? Build the temple. David didn't get to build the temple. He had all the plans and everything. Now he's handing it off to Solomon and say, you're going to do it. And he says, be strong and of good courage, because this is not a small thing. And do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God, or for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service in the house of the Lord. So you see, M Moses was telling the children of Israel. God was telling Joshua. Here, David is telling Solomon. Same things. What you've been called to do, what God has for you, go do it. Be uh, courageous, be strong. Know that God is with you. He will never leave you. So what you're doing, you're doing with him. Always. So it's not alone. It's not you doing it in your own strength. It's not you uh, making a good run at it. Like, like David said here, do it. How are you going to do it, though? You're going to do it in his strength. Psalm 37, verse 25 says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descend <clears throat> excuse me, descendants begging bread. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. 
God is with us. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. People may fail you. They may disappoint you. They may abandon you. All the things that we saw above, but the Lord won't do it. You know, people get their eyes on other people. And then they determine the faithfulness of God based on people's, people's actions. I don't care who, who it is on the earth. Don't put anybody on a pedestal because when they, if, if they stumble, you're going to stumble if your eyes are on them. People can fail you. It's not that you said you'd expect people to fail you, but everybody, everybody has been disappointed by people. Don't associate a person with God's faithfulness. I mean, it's not saying we shouldn't be faithful. We should be. We, we should be, live as holy as we can. But you're not God. I'm not God. We ought to not plan to fail. But don't get your eyes on a human to such a degree that you start questioning God when somebody falls. Because have you noticed people fall? And there's high-profile people that fall. And then people will go, well, I don't know about this whole thing with God. Why? Because a person fell? Your eyes are on the wrong thing. You should have known that a person could mess it. Well, I never expected them. Okay, but... That should not have anything to do with you tr trusting God. People will stumble and actually back off serving God because somebody they trusted disappointed them. Well, that's not the same as God never failing. God will never fail. So even if you feel like somebody failed me and where is God, because Satan will jump right on that hard. Dry, get, get, you know, gets people to go away from church. Well, somebody fell in the church, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. Well, that's convenient. You just got duped. So you're not going to go to church anymore because somebody messed up. Did God mess up? No, we say that. But it can't be just in your head. It's got to be in your heart. you got to understand, God won't fail you. Regardless of what it looks like, God won't fail you. God has not failed you. God has not left you. Now, the devil will tell you, well, yeah, but there was this time. Where was God? What, that is a direct assault on the word of God. That's a direct assault on what God said. He said, I will never abandon you. Yeah, but where was he? So what you're saying is, he was out of commission for that time. That's what the devil will feed you. He is, God obviously didn't help you. God did something. God let something happen. Well, um, 
something happening on the earth is not the same as God doing it. Just because something happened does not mean God commissioned it to happen. And saying that he let it happen, well, he lets people go to hell. He, that, that'd be like this. God set up the laws of gravity. Right? If somebody gets up on top of a building and jumps off, and then somebody goes, well, why did God let that happen? Well, if you're going to jump off a building, you're going to go down. And if the building's any height at all, you're probably going to get hurt. And if it's too high, you're probably going to die. Was God involved? Did God commission that death? Because he set up the, the laws? No. Well, he let it happen. Somebody decided to do something. We live in a fallen world. So we live in this earth, and there are all kinds of things. See, Satan is the god of this world, but Satan will try to tell you and distract you, try to get you off, try to point to stuff that's happening in this earth to, to try to get you to believe that somehow God failed you. Try to get you to believe that God somehow wasn't there, that he forsook you, that he... He was out of commission for a little bit. God is always with us. He will not forsake us. He will not leave us. He knows us. And as a Christian, we need to understand that that's true all the time, in any circumstance, wherever we are, God is with us. He will not leave us. Now, again, your feelings may tell you that he left, that he's not there. But if you're going by feelings, you're going to miss it a whole lot. You know, Brother Hagin would say this. I'd hear him say this, and I, I, mean, I can attest to it, uh, being a pastor. He said, if I were going by feelings, there's a whole lot of times I would feel like God is nowhere near me. When I'm, he said, when I'm going to the pulpit. He said, I would, if I'm going by feelings, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm going to have you pray for me. Because he's like, I, I'm just as dry as ever, and you're getting up and preaching, but you do it by faith, and the anointing is there. But if you're going by feelings, you don't feel God. And I can attest to that as a pastor. I mean, there's a lot of times you get up and you're like, here we go. But you're not going by anything you feel. You're trusting God. But he hasn't changed. God didn't leave. God is always, always with us wherever we go. Let's look at Psalm 139. Everybody say always. always. Say God is always with me. 
and then say, God will never leave me. Never. Psalm 139, verse 1. Now, we're just spending some time, some of these verses in the Old Testament. You know, we read the Hebrews, obviously. We, you know, we, we could read a number of scriptures in the New Testament. Uh, Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We could spend a lot of time there. Uh, this is throughout the Bible. But I want you to see a few different things that are, are throughout these verses we're reading. Psalm 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You understand everything about me. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. means you know what I'm going to say before I ever say it. You have hedged me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. That means you're before me and you're in front of me. You know, when I get to the next part of my life, you're there. You've always been there behind. You'll always be there ahead. And your hand is upon me. That's your hand. You blessed me. You're always there. Always. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Before we go on, do you have the message? Can you put up the message for that same verse? Psalm 139. Look at this the way, now you can't go by paraphrases all the time, but when it, sometimes it brings a light and it shows it in a different light for what you can see is already there in the, the original, and it just brings it out in kind of a, a, a clearer way, more like we talk. It said, God, investigate my life, uh, get all the facts firsthand, I'm an open book to you. Was that true? Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave, next part, and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. Just think about it. He knows you that well. You think your spouse knows you. God knows you infinitely more. I look behind me and you're there, and then up ahead and you're there. Your reassuring presence coming and going, this is too much, too wonderful, I can't take it all in. God is always there and he knows you. This, this gives a picture, and this is what David is saying, you, you know me so well. You know me, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. You know uh, where I've been, you know where I'm going, you were there behind me and you're there where I'm going to be there in my future. And this is this, this, I can't really comprehend that you, you know me that well. Well, he's close. He won't leave you. 
Look at, uh, go back to the New King James, Psalm 139, verse 7. So next verse in the New King James. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. He's saying you can't go in the dark because God's there and it's light. The darkness and the light are both alike. You can't go anywhere. He said, wherever I go, you're there. I can't get away from you. I can't get away from your presence. Not that, David's not saying I want to get away from your presence, but he's saying you can't, wherever I go, you're there. Now, I want us to see, this is, you can't just grasp this intellectually. We got to understand that wherever we are, God is always with us. For the new covenant person, he's in us. Which is a whole other thing. We could talk about that. But I want you, he's in you, and he walks, he's, he, wherever you go, he goes. But I want you to get the, 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 the concept that he is walking with you. He's a helper. He's an advisor. He's a comforter. Whatever you need, he's there. He's never, double negative, but he's never not there. In other words, he's always there. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you mess up and decide to go somewhere you shouldn't go. He's still there. You know, it may have been a time in your life where you, you knew you, you shouldn't be there. Shouldn't have been in a certain place. But you know what? God was there. Doesn't matter where, where you go. That's comforting for parents. God's always there with your children. Always. No matter where they go. Doesn't matter how much distance is between you and them. God is there. And God is watching over them. Now they need to cooperate with Him. It's good to train your children, you know. And you want them to make good decisions. But no, God is there. Kids, grandkids. That'll be away from other family members. He's, he's there. You can't get away from him. Look at Jonah 1, verse 1. We'll come back. We're going to go to another psalm. But look at Jonah. Jonah tried to get away from God. Jonah was a prophet of God, and he, he decided he knew what he was supposed to do. But he decided to try to get away from God. Well, you can see pretty much by what we've covered so far, that's not going to happen. And we're talking about the people of God. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But we're talking about Him being with you, there to help you and everything. For the people of God, that's the truth. For, the pe for people that in our day, in, in our age, if they haven't believed on Jesus, God's there and He's, he's going to do everything He can for them 
That's why you need to pray for people that are unbelievers because that's the only, only hope they have of getting any help is because you asked for it. Because they don't, they're not asking for it themselves. They don't have any legal right to do anything. And so that's why you pray for people. If you're a Christian, they can, a Christian can pray for themselves. You can still pray for people that are Christians, of course, and God can help them. But for the person that's not saved, I mean, they're under the devil's territory. They're, they're, they're sons and daughters of the devil, whether they know it or not, and whether people like that or not, that's the truth. But for the Christian, we're talking about God helping you. And of course, we're reading some of these things in Psalms. But in our day and age, God, this is still all holds true, and so much more, God goes with us wherever we are because He's in us, but His presence goes with us. Now here, Jonah, you know, people want to look at Jonah and go, oh, that was so dumb. But people, it, we can try to do something like this, whether it's literally trying to get away from God or get away from what He's called us to do. Verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So Nineveh was a very, very bad place. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He's a prophet of God. He knows God's voice, and he decides, God told me something I don't want to do, so I'm going to get away from him. You know, we're thinking, you ought to know better. Well, well, have you ever, don't raise your hand, but have you ever, God was dealing with you in a certain direction and you kind of said, mm, and just kind of acted like that wasn't there and you just kind of went the other way. Again, don't raise your hand, just think about it. Was there ever a time that you did that? Probably everybody's done that at one time. You, you may not be physically trying to run away, but inside you're, you're trying to distance yourself from what God has told you to do or what he's dealing with you now, and you're like, what? I don't hear that. You hear that? I don't know. Let's go over here. Let's do this. Guess what? When you moved over there, guess where God is? If you're a Christian, he's in you. You're not getting away from him. His presence in there, well, I just, I'm mad. I don't believe I don't know why God let this or this happen, so I'm going to go here and, you know, I'm the soul can do whatever. God's there. Well, I just, you know, I'm going to go out with people and do whatever. God's there. God didn't, you know, people think, well, I'm just going to run away. You know, their family is believing and uh, believers and, and Christians and, you know, some... Kids will try to get out of that and run away from the call of God or whatever. You know, I heard different ministers. Kenneth Copeland was like, he tells about it. He tried to run away from the call of God. And, you know, his family wouldn't prayed for him. His mom prayed for him. He tried as much as he could. Do everything going away. Well, you can do that, but you're not going to get away. That's a good thing. But here, Jonah... He's like, I'm going to try it anyway. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord. So he's going to get on a boat and try to get away from God. Didn't work. We know the story. Probably know the story. You know, he had to get thrown off the boat because big storms going on and it wasn't going well. The more he tried to go, there's a big storm and the boat doesn't go anywhere. And finally, they're trying to figure out what's going on. He finally said, I'm the problem. Just throw me overboard. Everything will cease. He knew what he was doing the whole time. So they throw him overboard, and of course then the big fish swallows him and spits him up on land, and then he goes and preaches the people, and they all get, you know, uh, they all repent. And then he's mad because that happened. The point is he couldn't get away from God. God is there all the time regardless of what you're going through. And you don't, I mean, when you try to get away and try to do something else, he's still there and he's going to be there for the rest of your life. The best thing to do is just do his plan because it's right. Just, you know, these, the Bible says these, these, these uh, accounts are given to us for examples. So don't do that. Just look at it and go, why don't you just do what God told you to do? You did it anyway. Why get on the boat and try to get away? God's there. And guess what? He's there through time, too. So you try to say, well, I'm just not going to do stuff for six months. Guess what? In six months, he's still going to be here. And whatever he told you to do is still going to be the same thing. Five years, still going to be here. It's just that you're older. You know, we're older. We could have just decided. But it works that way, but it also works no matter where, what's going on, he's there. So if there's pressure... He's still there. Well, I don't feel like he's here. He's there. Something really heavy is going on. He is there to walk you through. Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Even going through an image of the worst thing that can happen, I won't fear because you're still with me. You haven't left me. Everything that God is, is with us all the time. We don't have to go and call out and try to get him to come to our situation. He never left. Sometimes we get distracted and start getting worked up. We can get worked up emotionally. And that's how Satan tries to drive you. Get thoughts in here, get you if he can get you with your emotions, then he can push you in a direction. And sometimes we start looking at stuff and we start looking at a situation or a circumstance and start detaching. You know, we're starting to think of what, what are we going to do? And we detach from the fact that God is there. In the middle of that, if we start yielding to our emotions, it's going to bring us away. But that whole time, God is... He's there. I mean, if we would just stop and go, wait a minute, God hasn't left. God, what, what do I need to do here? 
get quiet because he didn't leave. And he's going to be there when we calm down. If we yield, I'm not saying we should yield. We shouldn't yield to that. That's why, it, what are we doing? We're going away. We're, we're yielding to our emotion when, wait, God didn't go anywhere. He's here. He was there before. He knows what to do now. He knows where we need to go. The worst thing we can do is start getting in our head and our emotions and go away and not, because it's very hard to hear when you get like that. It's hard to hear with your heart. We need to get quiet and, and focus back on the fact that, wait a minute, God's, God never left me. He said he'd never leave me. That would include now. See, that's what we need to get to is there's never a time because you know as well as I do, stuff can hit you, pressure can push on you, and it's right then that if we start going, act like he's not there, then we start yielding to something else. But if we can say, wait a minute, no, he's here now. Now, you, stuff can hit you. It can, it can come from the outside and hit you, a circumstance. And the more we, wait, we, we can have an understanding that, wait, he's here now. God didn't leave. He knew before this ever happened what was coming. He, he knows now, and he knows what needs to be done. So rather than detach myself from that, I'm going to push into that and say, God, you're here. You know. And now you can start looking to him. What do I need to do? Even if you find yourself yielding to that, you, you know, you've, you've gotten yourself worked up, you can back off. It's not too late. Some people say, oh, no, I already did something. What, what do I do if I already yielded to doubt and unbelief and I'm getting worked up and I'm saying stuff? Repent, just come back and say, Lord, that was stupid. That was the wrong thing. All right, now. Just, that's all. You, have, you don't have to go, oh, I didn't do it. Now go make it worse and sulk and just completely yield. That's not good. If you, if you, it's just like anything else. If you messed up, just stop and go, Lord, I'm sorry, that I yielded the wrong thing. Please forgive me. All right, you're here. Forgive me. I'm quieting down. And he's not holding anything against you. That's already gone. So he's saying, don't try to condemn you. Say, well, you're supposed to be in faith. What are you doing? You messed up. As if you, ha if you have to walk it perfectly. If you go in the wrong direction at all, you're done. No, if you go in the wrong direction, you just course correct right back. And the more you know about God's mercy and his forgiveness and that no matter what, you can come back, then you can just say, oh, Yield to the wrong thing. You said something to your spouse. You started to get, wait, that's not the direction we want to go. Forget that. Let's go. Let's get back here. God is for us. He's with us. Now, God, what do we do? Show us. You're here. You haven't left. This isn't the one time you're going to leave me. Never. So this is, you're here. You're here. You're with me. So, Lord, this doesn't look good. But what do I do? You know what to do. I mean, you, you, the more we meditate on the fact that he's here, he's in us, well, they, he's got an answer. He's got the power. We know his word. But we need to focus on that fact that, wait a minute, he hasn't gone anywhere. Not by emotions. Not by circumstance. We say, this is not the time he left. Never. He's here. I just got to get tuned out of the emotional realm in the natural realm and tuned in to what's going in my heart because that's how we discern God is by faith which is of your heart not of your head so at any time in the middle of any storm in the middle of any pressure we can stop looking by our senses and hook up with what's going on inside hook our mouth up with that we can start hooking up with the fact that God's presence is very real and present at any time.
Doesn't matter if it's work, doesn't matter if it's relational, doesn't matter if it's physical, doesn't matter if it's financial, whatever's going on, we can say, wait a minute, no, didn't take God off guard, he hasn't left, God, what do we do? You show me, Spirit, show me. Praise you, Lord, you're helping me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you that you've always been here. You've always done. You've always led me. You're going to show me what to do. We're here together. Look at Isaiah 41.10 and we'll close. <clears throat> Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, why? For I am with you. Don't fear, for I am with you. Do, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, this is to Israel, but this applies to us as Christians, as children of Abraham. You can take this for your own. Don't fear. You can tell this to yourself. Self, don't fear. God's with us. Self, don't be dismayed. God is our God. He will strengthen us. Well, I feel weak. I just don't feel like it. He'll strengthen us. We say, the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm strong. He's with me. I'm strong. Lord, I thank you for helping me. I thank you for upholding me. I thank you for strengthening me. Lord, I look to you right now, and I just thank you that your presence is here. Your presence is with me. Your presence goes with me. Your, your wisdom is here. You show me what to do. You have an answer. You'll help me to get to the next step. Well, I just don't know if I have the strength. Don't say that. Say, I have strength. God, through Him, I'm strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10. Amen.